Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the Book of Revelation. Tonight is study number 6 of Revelation chapter 19. We're going to be reading verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. We have been going verse by verse, of course, through this chapter, as well as through the entire book of Revelation. In the earlier verses, we've seen that it is at the point of Judgment Day, the completion of God's salvation program, as he has saved all those to be saved, and and it is that great multitude of saints that lift up their voice, praising God, singing Alleluia, as well as with um, the the four living creatures and 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 uh, so forth. It it is a time of tremendous rejoicing for. The Lord Jesus Christ has been triumphant. He has won the battle that has raged throughout all history. And we looked at the first part of verse 7 last time. Let us be glad and rejoice and and give honor to him. We were looking at rejoicing in the language of Alleluia the last few studies. But uh, in this word, Honor, it's not the typical word that's translated as honor. It's actually Strong's number 1391 that is normally translated as glory. It's the same word back in verse 1 of Revelation 19 that said there, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. That's this same Greek word. It's the word, um, for instance, that's found in Revelation 14, verse 7, where God uh, made that wonderful declaration, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come. Fear God and give glory to him. Why give God the glory? For what reason? Well, we're told, For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. Of course, Jesus Christ is the Lamb that's in view. And, uh, by the way, uh, God uses the name Lamb to identify um, Jesus in the book of Revelation 27 times. We've already seen it um, 20 times. This will be the 21st time in Revelation that God will refer to Christ as the Lamb. And he'll he'll do it a few more times before this book is complete. And it is the, the time of being glad and rejoicing and giving glory to God for the marriage of the Lamb is come the marriage of Christ 
and Christ is called the bridegroom, uh, also in the Bible. He is known as the lamb. He's also known as the bridegroom. And Christ is eternal God. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 62 that God would marry a people for himself. In Isaiah 62, it says in verse 5, For as a young man marrieth a virgin, so shall thy sons marry thee. And as the bridegroom rejoiceth over the bride, so shall thy God rejoice over thee. And here, God is likening himself to a bridegroom and those that he will rejoice over as the bride, all those that he will save. They are the bride of Christ. I know that we're uh, familiar with this and we're aware this is taught in the Bible, but I recently was speaking to uh, a man uh, who has grown up in a Muslim land and he was very surprised at the idea that God was marrying his people, those that he saved. He he uh, wanted to know where are the verses that say that. And, and, and so I pointed him to Revelation chapter 19, that it is the marriage of the Lamb. The bride has made herself ready, and that is the body of believers. Now, God speaks of the gospel, his salvation program, in terms of a marriage, uh, especially in the parable we find in Matthew chapter 22. And I'm going to read this whole passage, verses 1 through 14, because uh, it's a wonderful parable that that is giving us uh, all sorts of information about God's salvation program throughout history. It says in Matthew 22, beginning in verse 1, And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables, and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. And and by the way, the word marriage in verse 2 is Strong's number 1062, and the word wedding is 1062. We're going to find um, in the following verses, marriage and wedding uh, used a few more times, and it's always the same Greek word, Strong's number 1062. So, the marriage of the Lamb has come, or the wedding of the Lamb. We we can use them interchangeably. And it says in verse 3 of Matthew 22, And sent forth his sons to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, and my fatlings are killed. And all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth, and he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. 
Now, at this point, we can understand the previous verses to point to spiritually the sending forth of the gospel into the world as God did um, send out a wide call, come to the wedding or uh, to uh, really become saved. That's how uh, um, spiritually uh, you come as a part of the bride or there, there is also information in the Bible that picture is attending as a guest and, and that also relates to salvation. But they were bidden to the wet, the wedding. And the Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. And when these made light of it, finally the king destroys them and burns up their city. And that would point to the end of the church age. As God burned up the corporate churches and congregations. And what followed after that? Well, it says in verse 8 of Matthew 22, Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So don't go into that city anymore. That city is destroyed. But now go outside the city Go into the highways and, and whoever you find bid them in. And this is a representative of, uh, at the point of the end of the church age, God sent forth the latter rain outside of the churches, outside of the city of Jerusalem, the corporate church, and he bid the multitudes of the nations the same thing he bid to those within the churches, within the city, come to the marriage. It was, it was again the gospel call a second time. And just as the Lord stretched forth his hand a second time to recover the remnant of his people, or the latter rain period could be understood as being the second outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The first outpouring was during the evangelization of the world through the churches. And, and that began on the day of Pentecost in 33 AD. But then that uh, program ended and came to a close at the day before Pentecost, May 21, 1988. God then brought judgment on the church, spiritually burning up their city. And for a time, of course, 2300 evening mornings, there was virtually no one being saved because God wasn't saving in the churches and he was not yet um, uh, sending forth the Holy Spirit. That wouldn't be until September 1994 in the Jubilee year. At the time of the year when the Jubilee was to be announced, September 7th, and and then the Holy Spirit was poured out once again and that's what is in view here. Um, it says, again in verse 9, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways, and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. Because, it, at this point, it's the, 
end of God's program to evangelize. That second outpouring of the Holy Spirit was it. Through that, God saved the last one to be saved, and everyone who was to come to the wedding um, had received the call. And so now the scene shifts in this parable to no longer um, the sending forth of the gospel. We saw that there were two periods, two two times when the word went out, the the servants went out to bid guests come to the wedding. And that relates to, again, the two outpourings of the Holy Spirit or or the seasons of first fruits during the church age and the season of the the ingathering during the second part of the Great Tribulation period. But now the scene shifts in verse 11 after it said the wedding is furnished with guests and it says in Matthew 22, 11, and when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, and take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Now, now the verse 13 statement, cast into outer darkness and weeping and gnashing of teeth, identifies with the time, according to Luke 13, after the door is shut. As it says in Luke 13, in verse 25, when once the master of the house is risen up and has shut to the door, and and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence ye are. And then it says in verse 28, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. Which means, as we have understood, that God shut the door on May 21, 2011. That's what the time that Luke 13 is describing. That's when weeping and gnashing of teeth takes place, beginning then and continuing throughout the entire prolonged period of Judgment Day. And and that means in Matthew 22, when the king, and the king is a figure of God himself, the king came in to see the guests, and he examines the guests. He, he is not just going to accept any old attire. You, you can't just wear whatever you want, whatever you please. You must have on wedding attire. And that's another way for God to say, you must have on the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ in order to be a guest at, uh, at this wedding and in order to um, rightly uh, be admitted and to remain at the wedding. You must have on 
the proper wedding attire, which can only point to the righteousness of Christ. His righteousness that, that covers over sin. And that's the problem when the king came in and saw a man which had not on a wedding garment. Now from, from this we can, we can learn and see how it fits what is happening today as at this time, after the gospel has gone into the world, remember the days leading up to May 21, 2011, there was a worldwide proclamation, uh, unprecedented, never seen before in history, where the message from the Bible reached so many people on the face of the earth, and that was the second outpouring of the Holy Spirit It was God going into the highways and byways because he had already burned the city of the church. And it was God beckoning men once again, come to the wedding. And the, the date was even announced. Come to the wedding. Judgment day is, is going to be here on May 21, 2011. And, and, and so there was the second outpouring and the completion of God's evangelization program, and then May 21, 2011, and these days after the tribulation that we're presently going through, uh, we, we find there is no more beckoning, there is no more bidding people to, to come to the wedding, but rather it's a time when God is inspecting He's the one who is going really um, from person to person. God is the one who has placed us all into the spiritual fire to see what we're made of. Are we gold, silver, precious stones or wood, hay, stubble? Or another way to put it is do we have on the proper attire? Are we clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, this period of inspection will tell and it will determine whether, uh, we are, uh, a proper guest. We, we have come to the wedding in a right manner. And, and, uh, of course, God would have, uh, qualified us and, 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 made sure that we had the proper attire if we were truly saved? Or are we someone that has come to the marriage, come to the wedding, we've come to the wedding and we're not um, rightly clothed? We, we do not have the righteousness of Christ. Our sins are still exposed. There is no covering over them. And and that would result in our destruction, in being finally destroyed, and 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 so forth. And so, in this parable in Matthew twenty-two, God really is laying out His salvation program, and we see two periods of the sending forth of the gospel. And isn't it amazing? In just a few verses of uh, describing 
servants going out and bidding people to a wedding. God is covering a couple thousand years of history with the first period, 33 AD until 1988. The second period, the second part of the Great Tribulation from 1994 until 2011. And then the third uh, scene in this parable is the wedding feast. The, the place of the wedding where all have gathered together. And according to Revelation chapter 19, that is the time of judgment day. Uh, uh, you know, let's just scan ahead a little bit here in Revelation 19. We see that God in verse 7 is mentioning the marriage of the Lamb is come, or the wedding. Again, it's that same Greek word, 1062, can be translated either way. The wedding of the Lamb is come. And then we read of uh, the wrath of God as Christ is leading his army of saints, doing battle with the enemies of God in his kingdom. And we we find in that context that, that there's just no other way of understanding it. it we, we can't mistake uh, what's in view as the Lord is treading the winepress and fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And then we read in verse 17, And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather yourselves together unto the supper of the great God, that ye may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. Now back in verse 9, uh, it, it said there of Revelation 19, And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the marriage supper of the Lamb is judgment day. It is the time of the pouring out of his wrath, of the utter destruction of the wicked, of all of his enemies. And God speaks of it as a marriage supper. And notice uh, uh, what he said there in verse 9. Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And here we are, just as in that parable in Matthew 22. The guest showed up because, spiritually, God moved along. And it's no longer the time of bidding. It's the time when the supper is being held. And the guests, therefore, have arrived. And we don't have to go anywhere to some place. There is no place to go um, to be uh, in this wedding, uh, to to attend this feast, to arrive at the marriage supper of the Lamb. We, we don't have to travel anywhere because it's being held all over the face of the earth. It is the time of the world's judgment. It is the day of the wrath of God. 
And therefore, it is the time of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And all the world, all the world outside of the churches were bidden to come to the supper because it's close at hand. Judgment day is coming. And many were called. Many were called. That's the biblical principle. But few were chosen. And and so as we all find ourselves guests in a way, in a sense, at this particular uh, feast, uh, this this time when the lamb is going to take his bride, the, his wife, and forever be with her. Remember the Bible uh, wonderfully declares uh, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. And there is not to be divorce for any reason. And once God has married his bride, and he has, he has gathered her, and he has saved her. They are his people. And and that's why we have eternal life. Another way of saying it is, we are forever married, and Christ can never put us apart. He can never divorce us. Nor, nor leave us for any reason whatsoever. So it is the point of the, the eternal marriage between the Lord Jesus Christ and his people. And very shortly, they will consummate the marriage in eternity future. And, and God's people will forever be with the Lord. But there's a matter of conducting the feast carrying out the marriage supper. And God is presently, actively doing that as he is slaying the wicked of the world. And and finally, he will ultimately annihilate them. And, um, and so the real question is, at this time, God is performing a personal inspection of each one that profess to be uh, a believer or a true believer. God has already let us know this through the language of testing and trial. We, we've we already known this, but he's also going about, as it were, the king, inspecting the guests, and and here and there, oh, here's one who does not have on that robe of Christ's righteousness that a beautiful garment of his salvation. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.